Hello and welcome to Is This Room Free? My name is Martin Drake and I'm an ex-HR professional who is now the founder and managing director of Hire People, a recruitment business that is raising the standards in the way recruitment agencies operate. In this podcast, I will be talking to HR professionals and listening to the stories of their careers. I will be finding out about the journeys they have taken and what they've learned along the way. The purpose is to help others in the profession identify and understand the various paths available and take inspiration from my guest speakers. Whether you are someone who is looking to get that first step on the HR career ladder or an aspiring HR director, I hope you get value from my conversations. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of Is This Room Free? Um, And... Uh, before I hand over to uh, Jenny, who's my guest this week to do her little introduction, um, I, I just alluded to Jenny because we've been trying to set this up for a long time and I hadn't realised quite how long we've been trying to get this arranged. So I had a quick look back through our kind of history of conversation. Two years. It was February 2021 when you actually said, Hi, Martin. I've been listening. I'd love to be a guest. And then we've just, for multiple, multiple reasons, never been able to get it arranged. There's been holidays, there's been change of job, there's been work, there's been COVID, there's been everything getting in the way of all this. Um, and then we caught up again a couple of months ago at the uh, the CIPD event in, in Manchester where we were exhibiting. And, uh, and he said, I'm, I promise, let's get it booked in. And we finally did. It only took us two years, which is worrying and impressive at the same time. Wow. Um, um, yeah, I didn't think it was two years whatsoever. I Where's didn't. On? I know, I know. But for everybody, uh, my guest is is Jenny Cook this week. Um, I've known Jenny uh, quite a number of years, um, both kind of personally and then kind of uh, through network as well. Um, I think we're connected with a lot of the same people and some people you've, you've kind of worked with. Um, but Jenny, do you, I'll pass over to you. Do you just want to kind of tell everybody kind of what you're doing right now, kind of the level you operate at, type of company, that sort of thing? Yeah, so I'm um, people director at a company called NRG Riverside. Um, so I've been there um, about 14 months um, and I have a team of two people um, who, who support me in the day-to-day um, and I, I sit on the operating board and I am um, part of just influencing and growing our business um, from a people perspective really. Fantastic and um, so NRG Riverside are a housing association, um, no? What are they? No, no, they're a specialist fleet company so I think as far there used to be a Riverside. There used to be a Riverside that was a housing association. There is, and it's still there. I think the head office in speak. Um, so no, NRG Riverside um, is a specialist fleet company, um, and we we operate um, predominantly in the waste industry. So if you think ah. about that collect your waste at the roadside, that's just one part of it. Um, but those vehicles. Nine times out of ten, depending on, on um, which customer, we'll actually maintain them in our depots around the country. I yeah, did know that because you told me that at the CIPD event. Um, and I've just, because um, I've, got, I've got your information in front of me on my screen, I've just seen Riverside, I've just automatically thought of that. But mm-hmm. one of the things that um, I really like about your profile is um, 
often you find that people either through choice end up um, working in a specific sector um, or it just circumstantially happens to them that every time they apply for a job, you know, they train, change sector, they don't get anywhere. So they just go back to type where they're going to have a, a, a better hit rate. Um, but you have worked in a real broad range of, of different types of organizations. There's been a little bit of kind of consistency within there, but you've worked some very, very opposite end of the spectrum type of businesses as well. Yeah. And I think, Whenever you're speaking to agencies, you know, in regard about your next role or where you're looking to move on in the future, one of the first questions is always, so what industries? And I just go, any. Because actually, as a HR professional, we're all about development and we're all about growing our own knowledge and that CPD. But actually, if we keep it in the same sector, sometimes that can actually restrict that, where I'm very much about trying to learn something every day, even if it's something really, really small. Um, so actually, I'll just go, yeah, anything. Because I do believe that those skills are extremely transferable and that experience actually brings something different to the table because you will look at things a bit different. Um, so I think it's a benefit really to to me. And I think that's probably helped my career path really that I've just said, let's wherever it is. Yeah, I think that, I think there are certain occasions when it, it is beneficial. You know, I've, I've just done a role recently. Um, it's a, a contract position. Um, they need a business partner, but they need somebody who comes from a contact centre background. Um, and although they said they're open to it, it's massively advantageous because the job is helping support the opening of um, one contact centre that's just opened, another that opens in March, and a third that opens at the end of the year. So it's hugely beneficial if somebody's come from that environment of understanding how a contact centre runs. If you're involved in the setting up and um, uh, kind of teething stages of one of uh, contact centre opening of course it's advantageous to have that um, and it's only a, a fixed-term contract role um, but there are plenty of instances I think that actually it really doesn't matter because you're applying the principles of employment law employment law does not deviate from one sector or industry to the next it, you know it's it, it's national um, do you I'm just think we're going to go off kind of piece a little bit already but um do you ever push back internally because one of the things i find is that when we're asked to recruit a job you know it will come to us as saying we want somebody who's worked in you know legal or manufacturing or whatever it may be and, and it can be quite frustrating as the recruiter to 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 get that because then as you go to market as you said you're talking to candidates who are saying well, why does it matter if I haven't worked in that sector before? And and if all you've got is because the clients asked me to, it's a it's an absolute cop out. But that's the instruction that the client has given us, and we've got to try and deliver on that brief as best we can. You know, we're we're charging a fee to deliver on on what they want, um, and it can be really really frustrating sitting in our position as the kind of you know recruitment specialist going out and sourcing to to have such a blinkered approach. Do you push back then internally when you get asked, though? Or, you know, so, I don't know, a line manager comes to you and says, we've, we've got a vacancy, um, you know, it's going to go through HR, um, but we want somebody who's worked in this industry before. Yes, to a certain extent. I think, again, it depends on the business. Sometimes you can't adjust that and you need somebody who's going to hit the ground running. Um, but, yeah, where possible, I'll look at whether there's a development opportunity to bring in somebody at a lower level and really just supporting their talent journey. Um, or 
just asking people to think out the box. And I think... Um, I think it's simple. You sometimes just, sometimes just push back and go, why? Yeah. But exactly. why, why do they have to have worked on this before? You know? I think um, back, oh God, how many years ago? Probably about, I can't remember how many years ago anyway. I was looking for a new role um, and I wasn't in my other, I was on the notice for my other role. Um, and actually I applied for a job that was at a lower level. And I applied for a job at a lower level, and it was, a, I think it was three months fixed term. And I applied knowing that actually um, I this role I'd be able to do, no problem. I was happy with the salary, I was happy with the location. And from a family point of view, we'd agreed that actually just this little role will just keep us going before we then decide what we're going to do. Um, and actually, I got feedback from the agency when they put me forward to say, sorry, you're too overqualified. And I'm, I can be a little bit pushing, a bit direct sometimes, but I went back to that agency and said, oh, that's a bit surprising. I'd suggest or I'd encourage you to go back to them and just say, I am willing to join that business with these terms and conditions. And actually, they should see it as a benefit. Anyway, the recruitment agency, and I still speak to her now, she, um, she said, um, I'll give it a try. I said, OK, how interesting. They took me on. They interviewed me. They took me on. Um, within a few weeks of being there, I was promoted to um, higher than I'd actually worked at previously and given a permanent contract. Uh, do you know what? I, I, I come across it a bit, but I see it so frequently on LinkedIn. You know, people posting about this frustration about um, being overqualified when I think sometimes you've, you've got to... I put a post this week about um, go and find the facts. You know, don't don't make an assumption about a situation. Um, make a decision based on facts. It was something that an old line manager um, used to um, talk about quite a lot. Um, and it's a relative, you know, it's, her concept was make a decision based on fact, which simply means don't make an assumption. You know, if you see someone's CV and they're overqualified, don't dismiss them. Have a conversation. They might be looking to step back. They might be um, not, you know, they, they might not want the stressful role anymore. They may just want a better work-life balance. You don't know the reasons if it isn't put there on the CV. And that's also why I often advocate if you're going to write a personal profile or a statement and your situation is maybe slightly unique, write that on there so that the reader can understand the context without because people do make assumptions and you miss out on things because of that um but yeah i see that posted on on linkedin quite a lot and i think it's maybe a bit of laziness that people jump to assumptions and go well why have they applied for this job well again ask go just go and ask the question Absolutely. And I th you're absolutely right. I think, um, and I've experienced um, over my career where people have jumped to conclusions. I've just said, just take a step back, have a think about it. And actually, like for myself, it's turned into something really, really good. Um, mm. And actually, the market is so dynamic at the moment. You know what I mean? It, you wake up every day and you think, oh, is it is it gone back to where it used to be? Or is it gone? You know what I mean? What direction it's gone in? So actually, I think when you are recruiting at the moment, you have to think differently. It's very, very different. And we're doing recruitment at the moment. And actually, we're um, even though we really need experienced, qualified people, actually, we're going, well, what are those skills that other people have that actually would bring them in maybe at 50% effective? Um, and then we can develop them 
um, rather than going through our other tactic, which we did just last year, which said, let's bring apprentices in and train them. They'll take three years, which is absolutely fine, and they're doing really great. But actually, let's think about the, the middle position. And we've, we've, we've took some people on it at that level now. So well, you're, you're in danger of a, a lag situation, aren't you, where if you, you kind of go, right, well, we either recruit experienced people who can come in and do the job straight away, but they're not out there. So we can develop our own, which is kind of, you know, the other end of the spectrum, right? We'll, we'll go and bring in apprenticeships or people get the very entry level. But as you say, there's then going to be like maybe a two to three year development program, in which case, if you lose experienced people during that two, three years, you've got, you know, the cards are going to come falling down because you, you're missing that kind of middle ground skill set. Whereas I think if you can go in with a bit of an open mind and say, well, what are the transferable skills that are out there? And they can come in, they're more experienced than a complete novice and apprentice, but they're not the finished article yet. You, you, you're kind of, that's almost like your complete um, supply chain of recruitment there because by the time the middle people will become fully developed and effective, the apprentices will then be at the middle ground and you'll then be replacing the apprentices with apprentices. And you've now got your nice cycle of kind of internal development happening. And that's exactly what we're doing in my current business. So we brought in, so when I joined the business, we um, identified a skill gap um, that we knew was going to come in the in the upcoming years. And that was because it, it's HGV technicians. That's what uh, the predominant recruitment we had. And actually we're going, well, our skill gap's going to be there. And the market that we're, you know, we're not, um, there isn't loads of people out there going, oh, I want to, I want to swap jobs. So actually, we say, well, let's look at this apprenticeship scheme. We did that last year. We've got nine apprentices who are coming to the end of the year one. So actually, already we're looking forward to and saying, oh, they'll, they'll, they'll be in a really good place. And actually, our skill gap is changing. But because we're now bringing people who are semi-skilled in as well, it's changing even more. And actually, some of those people who we thought, right, they will be thinking, like some got some people who said, I'm going to retire in the next couple of years. Actually, that those younger people, because they are being generally up to the age of 25, is coming on our apprenticeships. Actually, the dynamics in some of our locations have been really surprising, but in a really, really positive way. You've got groups of different people coming together and actually making our depots a real success. So it's it's a nice story to tell at the end of the day. Yeah. The thing you get when you talk to you is you have a lot of energy. You know, you're very kind of positive and upbeat. And, and I think that, you know, listening to hear you talking about this kind of have an open mind, um, it's not surprising, you know, from, from just your, your kind of personality and character type versus the, you know, slightly more kind of blinkered approach. Um, I think... Yeah, the more and more kind of people I, I talk to through this podcast um, versus kind of, you know, going through kind of a recruiting process of, of understanding kind of candidates. Um, this is a very different type of conversation that I have. Um, there's definitely this kind of, I think there's a there's a changing of the guards. You know, there's always a change in guards in HR from personnel to, to HR to, um, you know, the people function now. But I think there's people are trying to become more progressive with it and understanding yeah maybe that's partly hit through the the environment that we've been um trying to operate through you know we've had to get more creative um the world has changed around us both from a covid perspective in the way that we work but also shortage of talent um and candidates you know you've got to think more creatively and i think 
we've definitely seen that within HR about more uh, yeah expressiveness and creativity and outside of the box thinking versus the you know what maybe people class as a slightly more traditional version of it yeah I think the days have gone where you used to post an advert that actually was a job description it didn't really sell the business and it was that job description this is what you're going to do and you would get hundreds of applications where actually some some business have been you need a full-time person just reading those cvs actually now you're lucky if you get one cv a week because it is so challenging so if we don't change we're just going to carry on going those results and um yeah it, it is known that i've got um quite a high level of energy and i mean you'll see from the post at the back there's something called genergy which i talk about which is just saying and somebody said it to me last week actually they said um you're just so happy all the time and so positive when I said well what's the opposite I could be do you know no this is me and they said well I put, it puts a smile on my face when I speak and I went well do you know that's brilliant great <laughs> so yeah thank you, you. you know if you're an employee who would you rather deal with from a HR you know you've got to go and engage with HR and to be honest, you know let's let's be honest HR doesn't touch every part of the business every single part of the day. There are plenty of employees within a you know mid to large size organization who they don't have that frequent interaction. You know, they may be site-based, they may be working on a production line, they may be in certain parts of the business that they just don't have that visibility with with HR. So just you know, the same with finance at times. Um, you know, there will be individuals there who their only interactions with hr are um you know a couple of times a year maybe um and we can't get rid of this legacy issue of people what people perceive hr to be you know the hiring and firing squad and all the rest of it but when you do engage with hr what's the one thing that's going to change your perspective of it and what's the one thing that's going to make you want to talk to hr more an approachable hr function yeah so as you say if you're Happy, positive, um, having a laugh, really upbeat, engaging with people, like to have, you know, drop the tools and just have a day, you know, a normal person conversation with other employees who are just people at the end of the day. Yeah. That's only going to break down these barriers and build bridges and, you know, every other corny term I can think of. Um, <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? You know, you're you're going to have a much more effective, engaged HR function when you come across positive and happy and upbeat. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I mean, the business I'm in at the moment, we're we're spread around the country. So I think the bit, the challenge that I have is actually um, making sure that that positivity of my team, because my team are really positive as well, that actually everything we do it has got that positivity. So, I mean, we talk about how we communicate and we try and get around the country quite a lot. But it is, it's about that seeing that actually it doesn't matter what's going on, you know, let's talk about it. Come and speak to me. Or it doesn't matter if you you may think in the past, oh, no, it's HR. I really want to break that down because it's always been HR. Sit behind the door. You're absolutely right. Hiring and firing. If HR's car appears on the on the um, car park, it's a bit like, oh, why are they there? And that's not what it's about. And uh, yeah, I'm absolutely determined to change that about our um, our profession. 
Right, everyone, we're going to interrupt the conversation to bring you some information on one of our own very favorite businesses, a company called Tenspace. We've been huge supporters of their work ever since the beginning and just absolutely love their approach to the world of engagement. However, I'm going to let Bethan from Tenspace tell you more about what they do. Hi, I'm Bethan Corley, Commercial Director at Tenspace. I just wanted to let you know a little bit about who we are and what we do. We've developed an employee engagement platform that supports organisations to build highly engaged, high-performing teams. We elevate the employee experience by bringing efficiency, professionalism and simplicity to gathering employee feedback. For people teams, it reduces months of work into minutes with built-in tools to help you understand your feedback and quickly action it. For employees, it offers a simple, trustworthy and engaging way to provide anonymous feedback via WhatsApp, SMS and email. Find out more on our website, tenspace.co.uk. Here's a question for you. Do you recruit on characteristic and personality? So when, when you're looking for somebody in your team, how much emphasis do you put on that kind of personal attitude versus um, experience and capability because it sounds like it's something that's really really important to you of as you're leading a function how you envisage you want that function to engage with the business yeah so I think one of the one of the points for me is um if I haven't got somebody who's got years and years experience that's fine but that's because I'm all about just growing talent and um, that's really important it doesn't matter what role they're in so actually I've done some recruitment recently in my team. So I've got two new, uh, sorry, three new people at the moment because um, I have business support that support uh, sits under me as well. And actually, those three people are all not as high energy as me. They haven't got energy and uh, they have got real big energy. But I do know that I have to, to um, wind mine down a little bit every so often. But actually, you'd probably look at them and go, you can see that they're all a team because we are quite positive but we're quite level thinking as well. We will, we know what the job is. We know that actually, unfortunately, on HR, you have some really great things to do. But unfortunately, you have some initiatives that you have to do, which are, are really hard work for us. So, you know, I mean, depending what I'm going doing, sometimes I've got to really, really prepare myself to try and be positive. But OK, so it, it matches the situation. But then also just to understand and, and to remind myself why we're doing it but then what it does allow me to do is and my team I encourage them to then actually think about that personal aspect and about how we can try and make best out of the situation so my team are probably what would I say knowledge is probably 50% of it and experience um, and I think a big chunk of for me is that somebody's willing to learn and wants to come to work and I've got no problem with people making mistakes I um I when I used to work for Adobe Fueling Solutions, our um president David um Krauss talked about honoring the reality. And I still say it now and I I I say it all the time and people go to me, oh yeah, it's Jenny saying that again. But he used to talk about honoring the reality. And every day when people make mistakes, you go, Oh, I've made a mistake, and they go, Oh well, okay. So what are we gonna learn from it? So actually in my team, I've got no problem with that, but I need them to understand that sometimes times are tough and we have to be that face that goes everything's going to be all right even if sometimes in the background we're going 
God, how are we going to get to it? <laughs> and and sometimes that happens. Yeah, no, I I um I think there's a huge thing for um being able to operate in a safe space where mistakes can be made. And it's it's natural, you know, we are human. People will make mistakes. The worst situation you can create is where somebody doesn't feel confident enough in owning up to a mistake because that's then a dangerous situation if somebody then feels that they need to hide it for fear of retribution that is not a place you want to be you know if you if someone's made a mistake you want to know about it and and for them to feel it's okay to do that but how are we going to you know how are we going to address it and fix it as well so let's kind of go back then and, and kind of have a look at your career so how how did you get into HR um so I used to work in retail um and then after retail so I was a, a store manager so I started off as a Christmas temp and then ended up as a store manager um, and then I went into uh, and that was for a long time though wasn't it that wasn't just like you know ten one, years. one year <laughs> yeah so I started off as a Christmas temp for Boots the Chemist um, ended up processing photos, which was an amazing job. And um, then ends up in that doesn't mind. exist anymore, does it? God, no, you know what I mean. So putting your put, opening your camera, putting the film in, pulling the strip over, winding it up. No, not at all. Oh, Jenny, Jenny, before you continue, I have to ask: Did you ever see any pictures that you're thinking, why have you put this in for processing? <laughs> Every day. Really, that <laughs> often? Wow. Yeah, I think it's. And even and now um, there must be like a GD. I mean, GDPR didn't exist then, but there must have been some sort of like, um, you know, data there where you can't share, divulge that information of what you're seeing. So I think there's a couple of things. So now I start. I mean, you're not going to tell me if you did share it with your colleagues, which you probably I I would have done, but you you know you're not going to admit that. I'm not going to pass comments on that. (laughs) <laughs> but what I'd say is look at the now, size of that <laughs> <laughs> now I think about it and I think why would somebody be so brazen just to go and <laughs> put that those pictures in um I unfortunately saw pictures that I had to report to the police yeah. because it was reels um but you know when if you think about back in the day when it was that 35 mil film where you'd go into some stores and you'd get a sticker over something say you know it, it's blurred or something like that we were pro- we used to do loads of them, but also we used to have to destroy them and give them the negatives back and say, I'm really, really sorry we haven't been able to process any of your photos. Um a very so, diplomatic yeah. way of getting around the situation. <laughs> sorry, so, yeah. I was just I was my it's the way my brain works. I've just most people ask me that anyway. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. It's not the so, way my brain works, it's the way most <laughs> of our brain works. We're all a bit smutty, really, aren't we? It, it, it's part of how our brain works, isn't it? Definitely where it triggers to go, what? Um, so, yeah, I was at Boots for quite a while. And then um, I I actually put <laughs> tried to have a dabble at um, a state agency. Wow. Um, well, yeah, I was buying a house and they offered me a job. Um, and I That said, was because of your positivity. Well, it probably was. And I was at Boots, actually. So they taught me into leaving Boots and going. And actually, I think I'd come to my end of time with Boots anyway. I had a fantastic time there, worked with some great people. But yeah, so I went to work for Bridgefords. Apart from selling a house to, well, an apartment to Les Battersby off Coronation Street, uh, it was it was not for me. Not for me. I'm not a salesperson whatsoever. Having that target was really hard. So I looked at my CV and thought, well, actually, I've got no admin skills. I've got, I need something. So I went into a customer service role for, um, did about that for a couple of years. 
Um, but while I was doing that, I was at Pennington Flash near where I live and um, with my husband and, and my sister-in-law. And she said, well, what do you want to do? You keep saying you don't know what. And I went, I want to work in HR and training. So my husband said, go on then. So what do you mean? It was like a dream. And he went, well, go on then. I went, oh, oh, really? He said, yeah, go on. What do you need to do about it? I was like, it's not as easy as that. You can't just walk into a job. So, you know what I mean? At the grand age of oh, mid-20s I was, um, I didn't have a math GCSE. So I went to a local school and did it. Um, and I actually sat my GCSE at the age of 28 with a room full of 16-year-olds. Um, but I just did it because I thought, well, actually, that's going to stop me getting anywhere. So I did that. And then I just started doing my qualification. Actually, when I did my level three, I thought, I actually like this. So I left my admin job, um, which, again, I loved, but there was no opportunity to work in HR there. And I took a gamble. Um, and I'm very lucky it paid off. So I left the job on Friday and I actually went to be a temp. You know, the original temp where you go and get your sat timesheet signed every day yeah. um, in a HR role. And I got the first role I applied for, which was I was so fortunate for. And that was at TVS. Um, and I'd, I'd just got the bug then, just got the bug. I had a really good manager. Um, so I, my head of HR, Julie, um, she just, I just looked at her and I just thought, I want to do that. I want to do that. And I'm still friends with her now. Um, and yeah, she just sort of set me on my way, really. And then I've were had you, really good mentors, so I've been quite lucky. Were you aspirational back then? So, so you've kind of, you've done the, you know, worked in kind of retail, then you did a little bit of kind of customer service work. Then you've, you know, had a bit of a um, kind of crossroads moment in your life and your career. And your husband's kind of said, well, go for it. You, you've done your first job, which is only a temp job. You know, there's um, kind of risk with that. It's almost like a, you know, try it to see. Um, did you ever have aspirations to get to the point you're at now? So you were looking at Julie and thinking, you know, she's brilliant. But did you ever think... Do you know, I want to lead a HR function one day. God, not back in the day, no. If anything, um, I had I had a really challenging school um, school life. You know, when you you hear it all now, we always hear back in in that time where the teachers say, "Oh, you can't do that." So I was told I couldn't do A levels. Um, so I, I I felt like I kept getting told, "No, you can't." That's awful. And, well, but I think you've got to think about it. You know what I mean? So I was. How, what year was it so it was in the 90s and it was all about stats wasn't it so it was about the, how many people are completing and passing um and I'm, don't get it wrong okay even though I've been to, col- to college and uni and got me my master's now don't know how I've done that because I'm not academic you know what I mean I sit there and I just I, if I have to think too much my brain hurts so actually aspirational I might have dreamt of being something, but actually I never thought I'd get to where I was today. Never in a month of Sundays. I thought I'd be at Boots um, for quite a while. I thought I'd be there forever, actually. Um, but then when I weren't too sure and when I got on this HR journey, I kept thinking, I'll be found out soon. Even <laughs> trying a kid. And then when I did, that's what I thought. Um, I think I've been quite fortunate um, with just some of the opportunities that have presented themselves. But also I took a lot of gambles not going to lie and with the support of my husband um you know I mean I've I did a presentation to some HR people some students back years ago and um the, the lecturer at St Helens College Jane she still laughs at me for this because my presentation was all about my journey and how I got into HR 
And every other slide was said, don't try this at home. Because I was in a fortunate position where actually if it didn't work, I would walk away. Um, and I, I would, I'd just keep, so if something doesn't work, I'd go, right, you know, I'll walk away and I'll find something else. But on the flip side, I've been very fortunate that when I've walked away, I found something else straight away. Um, now, I know that doesn't happen. I know that doesn't happen. You know, I mean, people can be unemployed for ages, but I've been fortunate. And I think maybe that is that drive that when back in the day, it's probably given me a kick up the backside, actually. It's gone, I'll prove you wrong. And I'd love to see some of those teachers now, you know, and just go, eh, look at me now. To yeah. a certain extent. So, no, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. So when you talk about the, the, you say you've you've kind of taken risks with your career. Is that what you mean then in terms of you've walked away from something without necessarily having um, the next thing lined up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so talk us talk us through this thing. You know, let's talk, continue through your career and talk about you know these risks because I'm really keen to, you know, within within circles that we have um, a similar network you're held in really high regard so I'm really curious as to you know what's your what's your flavor of of HR um, but let, let's kind of talk through to how you've got to kind of the, the the leadership level that you thought you'd never get to um, the risk that you've taken and then we'll get into you know this kind of genergy um, that goes with you know how you work as your flavor of HR I always like to call it you like know, your flavor your brand of, of HR that makes sense so yes so you're, so, at, so you're at tbs you were there was yes. a temp i was there was a temp um i was made um i got given a fixed term contract um interestingly and again i think it's something about that just that positivity that i have i started on the wednesday as a temp um the following tuesday um i went i was finding work i went home and i took ill and he ended up in theater in the middle of the night and was signed off for six weeks after having an operation and TVS kept the job open as a temp. Wow. They kept the job open for me. And that really told me something. I think that told me that actually maybe I have got what it takes, especially at a HR administrator level, like, you know, when I was doing it. So, you know, I mean, that, that was really good. And that really told me that HR could make a difference to someone's life. So, so I was there and... Um, I um I left there because I was pregnant with my um my twin girls. Um and there was opportunities to go back, but it just wasn't the right time. Um now we used to get our um our cars through a company called Keyfleet at the time. And actually um I kept in touch with them because they were my supplier. Anyway, I went to work for Keyfleet because they said, Well, do you want to come and do some admin for us? And I was like, Can I do it at home whilst I'm looking after the children? They said, Yeah. So I said, okay. Anyway, that, so you that got the original right. home working. <laughs> well, absolutely. Or, or hybrid working. Hybrid, yeah, definitely. So that materialised in something really big. Um, and I, I still keep in touch with them now. Um, so that was really, really good. Hang um, on, hang on. Now. When you say that well, materialised into something big, can you, you're going to have to elaborate. You can't just leave it there. Yeah, so I started off as being a, a, an admin. So literally did send me admin and I would do it. Sat at my dining room table while the girls were having the nap. So that's what I did to keep some money coming in so that I could I could then have still choices in the future. Um, but actually, they are an outsourced fleet management company. That's what they were starting to do. They're a leasing company, but that's part of what they were doing. And Mark, the MD, trusted me to launch that for him and deliver it. And I did. And actually, it became become very, very successful. 
And some of my customers, I had really good relationships. So I managed people's company fleets. That's what it was. And so much so that actually two of them offered me HR jobs because they knew my background was HR. So even though Um, you were doing a a non-HR role, you were just kind of doing this fleet management type role, they just bought into you. There was no test of your HR capability. They just bought into you as a person and thought, well, she's done HR, so she can do HR. Yeah. So one one company offered me a job and I took it and I was very clear. And Mark knew my dream was always to get back into HR. You know, that wasn't hidden or anything like that. And it couldn't happen there, unfortunately. Although I did a few bits, you know, some contracts and policies. But anyway, then one customer um, asked me and I, I said I was going to go. Um, and then another customer got wind of it and offered me, but actually offered me a higher level role. So if you think about it, I'd been a HR administrator. I'd then gone and been, admi- I'd gone and done admin for Keyfleet. And actually this other company offered me a HR manager's role. And I was a little bit like, I remember meeting Mark in Starbucks up the road because we were actually going in to do a customer visit. And I walked in and I was shaking and he was like, what's up? I was like, They've just offered me a job. He went, I knew it. I knew it. And I said, they've offered me a HR manager's job. And he was like, and? And I was like, I can't do that. He's like, you can. I was like, no, I can't. He's like, you can. I was like, oh, I have to do it now. I said, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, really, if you think about imposter syndrome, I've overcome it time and time and time again. And I still do it now because every I'll, morning. Uh, I'll, well, I'll have to do it because I've said, yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> So anyway, I went there and that was good. Um, and I really brought um, it was a very it was a business that um, looked at HR as a as a as a bit of a weapon. You know, what I mean, so something like a tool that would uh, let them make take some action. So I actually brought the pink and fluffy side of HR into that business. So my role actually changed to colleague welfare manager. And it was so we consider that actually it's not all about the firing. Yeah. It was also about, well, let's look at the relationship that we have with our people during their time. Let's look at their development. Actually, people go through journeys outside of work and that can impact. So I brought all that on board. I guess it's more um, nowadays called more of a kind of employee experience, yes. you know, advisor, manager type role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I did, a, I did a management development program when I was there and it was about trying it before we put it out in business. And I made um, a vision board. And it's actually still behind me now, the vision board. And I made it by sticking pieces of paper. So there was no technology because I just didn't do that. Um, And on it at that point, so that must have been about 2000 and say 12, 13, something like that. I can't remember the date. Oh, oh, no, the children were born. So it must have been about 13, 14. And that was the first time I put on it. HR director and level seven qualified the first time I'd ever even had an idea of it and I did you know the fire walk where you walk on the fire and it's about yeah, yeah, yeah. so the idea of it was think about that goal that you're going to go for and again that's where that come from because I went I want to be a HR director and Michelle my coach was going you can do it I was going no I can't and on the fire walk I, god it hurt I know they say it's what is it fire kisses no, it hurt. I'm walking and I'm going, I'm going to be a HR director. Um, but it's still up there, but it's got a tick next to it now. So I'm like, yes, I've done it. 
Um, I've never heard of them called fire kisses before. I've I've, I've heard people say, oh, it doesn't hurt because it's the mind over the matter thing. Well, yeah, to a certain extent. It didn't hurt. If you think about walking on fire, you'd think it would absolutely kill. It doesn't, but it nicks you in little bits and you you go, oh, that's a bit funny. Um, So how did you, I'm really curious. So you've you've kind of joined this organisation. They want you to kind of drive some change. But let's be honest, up until that point, you haven't got a great amount of HR. You certainly got no strategic. You probably don't really have any value add HR. It's, it's more kind of administrational, probably quite transactional HR. How did you then know how to approach these situations of um, you know, employee experience, employee welfare, kind of building the bridge between the employees and the decisions that the, the management were making because it must have been very fractious at that time as well yeah absolutely i'd done my level three um at that time i'd done my level five because i did my level five when i was pregnant so i did it in about four months um and yeah i only had theory really and hearing what other people had done um but i just really approached it with a so i'm an employee how would i how would i like to be treated What's going on in my life? What could be going on in other people's lives? Um, and I just partnered with all of the managers to talk to them about when they had issues or incidents that happened. I've talked to them about, okay, so this is what you see, but what else could it be? Yeah, and just started to get them to think a little bit different, started thinking about investing time, not about money, investing time, speaking to people to get to know about them a bit more. So then you can look at development or you can look at just basic engagement. Um, and I, I just tried it and it worked. And I sort of, yeah, it brought the results in. And actually, we had um, loads of people um, going from people not wanting to be in the business to wanting to be in the business. So it just worked. I'm not going did to that, say... Did, did that give you more confidence then in your ability to operate that level? No. Right, okay. Oh, absolutely not. Because, again, I'm one of those people, you know, I mean, I, I was, we were talking earlier and I was saying about insights, sunshine, yellow, so I influence. Um and I'm a musician outside work, so some of that is why I'm used to, I'll go on stage and I'll perform to thousands of people and it doesn't bother me, I'll play a solo. Ask me to stand up and play a solo and I'll probably cry, but sitting on my seat in a band, I can play a solo, that's not a problem. So I think some of that is where I get my confidence, but there's been loads of times where actually in the background I've gone, oh, God, I can't do that and what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? So... Yeah, it's it, it's a funny one, really. But yeah, no, it didn't give me confidence that I could go and do it. Right, I thought I thought you were you, you stumped me there because I obviously thought you were going to say yeah, it did give me the confidence to then to then move on. So let's let's kind of continue the journey then. So you so that's really that's quite a kind of um, pivotal role for you where you have kind of stepped up significantly in your career. You've uh, worked with a coach. You've um, done a kind of a, you know a vision map you've written down people director you know you're starting to believe in in yourself a little bit more um you're putting goals for the future um how do we move forward from from that role then so I got to a point where actually I found I couldn't do much more I couldn't really add much more value to that business so I decided to walk away again that was one of those moments don't try her at home I walked away and that's where the opportunity come where it was a HR advisor role and I got told I was overqualified 
Okay, that, yeah. That happened. Um, and that went into um, a manufacturing business. Never done it. Previous one was security. The previous one was um, was fleet. The previous one was logistics. So you can see the types of businesses that I've been in. So this next company went in there um, really started to find an appetite and a, a, an interest in talent um, and starting to think about the development of our people. It was something that I just... It's not that I experienced something and went, oh, wow, that's brilliant. It was more of a something just clicked and I went, oh, I think I like this. Had you done much around the kind of the, the, I guess, what's perceived as the traditional HR, so kind of employee relations? Yeah. Right. So all that had come with that role as well as the the welfare employee experience type of work. So you've really kind of built up now a a solid base of um, kind of, transactional generalist HR as well as starting to get some kind of project stuff in terms of this kind of welfare type work as well yeah so the uh, um, administrator role absolutely that concrete that pure this is how we do HR and I got to start to understand look a bit about legislation and a bit about process and then yeah that next role um there was a lot of ER you know what I mean I'd have a folder this big Okay. I'd have I'd have 50, 60 cases. It was a large organization, you know, moved six thousand staff. So um I had loads of cases. So all really I was doing to start with was ER constantly. So that's where I start to get that understanding. I partnered um as well at that point we had um, an employment law solicitor who I still work with today and I recommend them to everybody because Employment law solicitors, you can bring them up and you say, I want some advice on this. And they go, yeah, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. Crack on. Where actually this company worked with you. And even though I mean, some of us will say they're expensive, but actually they are worth the value that they are. But actually when you when you work with them, they were developing me. They were developing how not just about law, but actually how I would think and how I would consider our business position. Um, without me even know and actually I do wonder if somebody indirectly invested in me was meaning I wanted to indirectly invest in other people and maybe that's where I am now today with the team about we can learn it and if we get it wrong oh well we'll learn um so was that that thing where you you engage with external experts and and as you say people can go well there's a cost of that but there's usually a, a kind of an insurance policy within it um but there's that I think that's a really good point that you raise is that kind of indirect um, personal development. Because when I started out in my HR career, um, we used um, outsourced employment law advice as well. And it was really good for me to have those conversations with them and understand they were providing the kind of, um, you know, legal framework and guidance. But then they were saying, what's the outcome that you want as a business? And we can try and help you get there, but we can advise you of the risks associated. And as you start to learn, the more exposure to that you have, and the more of those conversations you have with them, you then start to learn through osmosis of, right, I now understand kind of what the anticipated risk would be because you're building up your own um, precedent knowledge within your head as well of kind of, you know, case, you know, UK case law and, and things like that. So, yeah, I, I I guess I'm on board with you that you can look at it as a transactional cost or you can actually look at it as a, you know, a broader, yes, there is a cost, but um, 
this is what we're getting for it. And it's actually all the indirect value that we're gaining from that as well. Um, and sometimes that, that's overlooked. I think that is also then passed on. So if you think about it, HR deal with the employment law solicitors, but HR then don't go and do the actions. We then develop our managers. So if you think about it, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So, you know what I mean? Our managers um, will start to speak how we speak and we will start to speak how the solicitors will speak. But what I think that this, this, this company did was, and even now, as I said, I still work with them now, they actually give me a framework to think differently. So not just about employment law, but like now on these days when I'm thinking about some projects or some, and I think about the commercial impact, Actually, the employment law solicitors have taught me that. So they've taught me a different way of thinking. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, as I said before, I, I just say it is. is. And um, <laughs> God, we honey, why ring up? I'll go to him. I don't agree. And I'll give him my opinion, which will have come from what he's taught me, because I've dealt with him for years. And he'll go, interesting. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. And we'll have a really good conversation. And actually, sometimes Rehan will go, actually I think that will work that's the bit that gives you that boost that goes yeah no no one's going to find me out because actually I do know what I'm doing then of course unfortunately imposter syndrome comes in and then tomorrow morning when you wake up you go ah what am I going to (laughs) do with these things there's often it isn't black and white it's uh we there's there's more of a chance or less of a chance you know there's if anything went to tribunal it can you nobody knows which way it can swing. That's why both parties feel that they have a chance of winning. It's coming. It's going to come down to you know who can provide the strongest argument. So there, there's no finite um, black and white element around this. It's all subjective to a degree. So mm-hmm. I guess what you're doing is you're kind of going back to them and using your knowledge to hypothesize around what the outcome could potentially be based on how scenarios could play out um yeah absolutely and and that's about that is get back to that framework where i said the company would talk about now i went in as a hr advisor for three months i think it was and i was uh, promoted to business partner within a couple of weeks from made permanent and actually that framework and that approach that i brought to the table is probably actually what they saw and they saw actually we probably need this in our business. And I think that's where we then started to do some work. And again, got some really good results. You know what I mean? In the first three three months, was it? First three quarters, I got um, one of the employee of the year, of the month awards each each month. But it, I actually don't think it was because I did something amazing. I think it was because I did something that they weren't used to. Yeah. They weren't used to. And actually, even though it boosted my confidence, it gave me the experience and the exposure that I needed to. Um, but back to your earlier point, did they have confidence? And I said, right, I can do this. No, I probably even looked at HR administrator jobs thinking, actually, I need to go back a little bit because that's what that's what we do. Unfortunately, some people we just we, we go through that cycle, really, to confirm that we're doing what's right. So from <laughs> from there, you've you you have stepped up from that organization you have stepped up into a head of hr role so there's there must have come belief at some point and and or you needed more money for an extension or something i don't know you were either forcing the situation or you wanted to in my house i've just had an extension done actually which is quite funny i had done that through covid never again um so 
this is where I come into the second leader who just blew me away. So I talked about Julie, who really started my journey off and went, oh, my, this is what it is. And um, so anyway, so I'd left that company um, and I left that company because things things clashed. And I just said, I'm not going to continue. I'm going to walk away. So actually, it's that of, again, don't try this at home. And actually, um, when I was speaking to the agency about the, the role, um, I was like, it was a fixed term to start with. I was like, oh, but how do I tell them that actually I've not left because I've left because oh, there's a bit of a clash. And actually, I wouldn't have wanted to leave that company. I just felt I had to. And um, she just said, you'll be fine. And when I walked in and I spoke to Lara and Lara's, um, she's had an amazing um, career. And when I sat down with Lara, I was really nervous because she was this big senior person and I'd looked her up on LinkedIn and I thought oh my I'm never going to impress her and I sat down there and you know we had a really good chat it was challenging she didn't ask me why I'd left my last company and I I was nervous just for that conversation because I was a bit nervous anyway I got the job and I went there um, and actually a couple of weeks later um, I said to her, can I ask you why you didn't ask me why I left my job? She said, is that going to tell me if you're good at your job? Is that going to tell me you can come and do, you can do what I want you to do? And I said, no, she said, got nothing to do with me. And I sat back and I just thought, wow, uh, since that day, I have never asked anybody why they've left the job because it's irrelevant. And actually, people make decisions for whatever they want. And actually, that's fine by me. So Laura saw something in me. Um, and Lara was moving um, to a different role. Um, so I was a, a fixed term, again, fixed term as a HR manager for six months. And I was made permanent and put to head of HR. Um, and again, it was down to Lara, who I still I still um, look up to. I think definitely look up to because I do think um, her way and what she taught me through the journey that we had together was, um, yeah, I'll never forget it, actually. It's probably moulded me to... The way I am. So, 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 what is the way you are? <laughs> um, I think previously I'd have been like a bull in a china shop, and I think that's because of that energy that I have that is really, really high. Um, but I think now, I, I give people a chance. I mean, we all make mistakes. We talked about that, but actually, when people make mistakes, I don't write people off. I'll always give them a chance. Somebody once said to me, so if somebody committed murder, would you give them a chance? And I said, probably, because we all make decisions, whether it's right or wrong, based on the situation we're in. And I think that's why I've got a real big passion for mental health. Um, I did my mental health training in 2018 while I was writing my dissertation for my master's, which I did on mental health. Um, and I think that just brought a different thinking to me. So who am I? Um, I'm somebody who loves well-being and loves talent development and it, yes some people say well that's all the nice side of HR what about the other side I can easily switch myself to the other side but being that positive person it's about the growth of people their engagement their journey in the business how do we make the day fun you know what I mean how do we consider people's well-being from a financial point of view and making sure even if it doesn't cost much that we do something I mean we've just done 
period poverty packs in um, all of our toilets of all of our depots we we supply deodorant in our toilets and um, just those little things that make a really big impact and the development of people you know what I mean whether you are investing twelve thousand pound in a master's for somebody to develop them or you are providing a one pound bottle of deodorant in the toilet to to somebody it is our people and it's about their journey so yeah can I do can I do the stuff that we don't like absolutely and I've, I've done it recently but it's that growth of our people the enjoyment the engagement the well-being and just trying to spread some of that positivity probably I think you'd I know you've you you said you've listened to kind of all the episodes um I think you'd really get on with um Amy Dorham who um we did two episodes with her and then she was a, a guest at um uh, an event that we ran um in the UK recently and she she talks about very she very progressive in a kind of how they write the policy she I mean she doesn't call them policy she calls them you know guidance um notes and I think I think there's there's kind of different ways that you can you know you don't have to box HR up as there's only one way to do HR there are people who very much I think you I think you end up in a place where you have an affinity towards it you know my affinity even when I was in HR, I was always towards recruitment because it's where I'd come from. And I, I just, I enjoy that that side of things. I know other people who love the employment law side of it because they, they're fascinated by, as we just said, the subjectivity and how different cases can, can kind of pan out and, and go in different directions based on, you know, the facts available or why you think a decision might go one way and actually it goes a different way. And then there are other people who, sitting your space where your affinity is more towards treating people fairly how would I want to be treated I am an employee how do I want to be treated and therefore well are we delivering that as an organization because you can bet you bottom dollar that other people you know if I'm not happy with something there's probably a whole you know a state of people out there who who aren't as well um and then that builds on that in terms of well how do we then develop our people and our talent because essentially as despite the technological era that you know we're moving into the the kind of you know the the new revolution i can't remember what the next revolution's called but the yeah it's it's the technology revolution or something like that um despite all of that we are still in a position right now where our people are the things that drive our businesses. So that comes back to that is your most valuable asset that you have in the organization. But there's still a huge, huge, huge oversight of businesses getting that bit right. And you think by now, you know, we haven't just invented employees in the last decade. This has been going on a long time. And we've very much moved from that transactional, well, I will just pay you to do our job to understanding actually the more we treat our employees better and the you know, the more they enjoy coming to work, the more productive they are, the more productive they are, usually the better performance of the organization. You know, that that kind of basic level of theory has been around a long time. Mm. But we're still not getting it right. There's still the majority who just don't even don't don't spend enough focus on that and it feels like that's your area that you love yes you can do all the other stuff but you absolutely love doing that side of it 
Yeah, because if you think of and, and I think about it quite simply, really. So we look at everything that falls under HR and that's fine. And actually, I actually think there shouldn't be boundaries in HR. I think HR should be part of every decision. So you mean if we're making a decision about something that's going to happen in four years time, actually HR should understand that because we can actually influence in a way that people like commercial, finance won't really think about it. But for me, and I hate the word pink and fluffy because it's like it's just an added extra when you choose to have it. But if I think about all of that engagement, think about the culture, the development of people, if we all focus on that, which naturally grows our business, then actually we don't have to focus on the negative stuff and the negative stuff undoes all of that. So actually, although we have to do that, I that's that's like a secondary do you know what I mean? If we've got to go and do a disciplinary or unfortunately we've got to do redundancy, listen, that, that's where it is. But if we can really, really focus on this, then great. And one of the things we've done in my team and in the last business I was in, probably the one before that is, looked at automisation, looked at, digi- you know, I mean, being digital, forgetting about passing papers, because that just then creates work that needs to be done. And that work means you can't go and focus on this. And I think if we looked at those custom those um, those companies who are really just dealing with this, actually, if they just invested some time doing this and maybe created time to add value, then actually those businesses would probably have a, a chance of growing and being around in 10, 20, 30 years' time. It's, it's, it, it sounds happy, it's so simple. Yes. You know, the con- conceptually, it's so simple of, right, what, you know, I... Loads of people know my story that, you know, my last HR job, I worked absolutely horrendous organization. It was just an, a revolving door. The problem was he was a multimillionaire. So he didn't care about the people because he felt he just literally every job had a strict set of instructions that you had to just follow. He felt nobody could have a brain. Nobody could make a decision because they would make the wrong decision. There was no, that company was growing, but it was growing because of the product. Yeah. It wasn't growing because of the innovation or the, the people. And in fact, it, it, you know, it's got such a bad reputation. I think they're probably in a position now of actually struggling to recruit because they're in a, they're in a strange catchment area um, where, you know, they're on the coast. So half of their, radius in which they can attract talent from is, is C. Um yeah. so you know they've lost 50% of, of geographical um location where they can pull from. And then they're on a bit of a peninsula as well. So you know really really kind of going to struggle. And that's a massive oversight and naivety because he thinks he knows the best way and hasn't put that trust kind of back down and investment into people. And who knows where his business could have been because it is a, it is an amazing product and it probably could have been far more advanced than it has been at, at this point. But there's still a lot of those organizations out there. You know, I hear about, you know, we go back to why people leave jobs. Um, I hear about it a lot where the these types of organizations still exist. But it's just such a simple concept. You know, those people drive your business. You know, me as a business leader where I stand, I only have two pairs of hands, one mouth, two ears, two eyes. I was struggling to work out what I've got then. Um, yeah, there's only so much output I can do as 
as an individual, I have to put that trust back into others in order for our organization to grow. But if I can make it a great place and make them sing, you know, the effort that they put in, yeah, they work more hours than I ask them to. They do. And I tell them off for it, but they do it because they want to do it. Yeah. And and that's, you know, I'm trying to create, I always say to them, I'm trying to create an organization that gives you everything you could possibly want, be it flexibility, life balance, career development, remuneration, whatever it can be, I want to give it because I understand I can't do it by myself. It's the people, I, I will become small element. You know, when, when I launch business, it is just me. I am the entity. But as you grow, that leader becomes a smaller and smaller part of it because just by pure ratios, you know, that's mm-hmm. where they end up. So, yeah, I don't know why we're kind of going around it, but it's just so obvious, isn't it? That... It's obvious. And if you think about it, if you see those companies, so there will be surely out there a company that thinks they've got it all, they've got the growth, it's all happening, the people are all happy, they're doing what they want, and that's fine. And I'm great that that happens out there but if you look at the companies who say we have opportunities but we just can't get to them if they wrote them down so they probably say we're constantly recruiting Mm, what's the root cause our people aren't happy oh what's the root cause uh we're doing disciplinaries all the time oh what's the root cause you know what i mean you just go back to that root cause again and it'll be well actually you're going to have to invest here and then once you've invested here, then actually it will start to have that impact. It's like the iceberg scenario, isn't it, about all the stuff underneath the water? But people don't want to invest that in that lower bit. They just don't want to do it. Um, and I, I understand that, of course, putting extra people in place to be able to transition a business costs. I absolutely get that. But it will pay stupid amounts, won't it? You know, what I mean? it'll pay back. It's it's amazing. Uh, it's just, yeah, and I think that's probably why I've gone from business to business to business because I, I I believe I go in and I will start to look, I'll develop, we'll put systems in which allows time to add value, we'll look at culture and actually we'll be in a position where we can go, that's what we've enabled in the business. Those people are happy, those managers can deal with cases and actually, and that's, that, that's the dream when a manager comes to me and says, I've got this problem, this is what I'm going to do, what do you think? And I go, yeah. Yeah. nothing else just go yes it's like oh that's dream it's a bit of a cultural change agent really isn't it going in um changing perception a little bit of kind of structure processes but it's really kind of changing mindset um about you know this is this is the level that you can get to let's get you to there and then well, i've kind of done what i can do now you know the, let let me go on to the new challenge where i can kind of drive that huge change within an organization can't say organization again and yeah, absolutely. You're right. Fantastic. Well, unfortunately, Jenny, we've run out of time. Um, yeah. That's been that's been an hour. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love to kind of go into a bit more of kind of maybe some of the things that you do. But what I'd probably say is, um, I know you're kind of fairly active on, on LinkedIn. Um, if people want to know a bit maybe about some of the initiatives that, that you do that help kind of drive change and um, and create a kind of better um, employee experience, are they okay to follow up with you on on LinkedIn? absolutely no problem at all fantastic that's brilliant well look thank you so much for giving up your time and, and coming on today um, i know our paths will cross again um at some point it's inevitable that it's, it's going to happen um but yeah just thank you so much no worries thanks for having me
And there's another show in the bag. I hope you enjoyed it and really appreciate you listening. We've received so much feedback from people who said how helpful these conversations are and how the insights are helping individuals with their own careers. However, to get the podcast to a larger audience, we need your help. Please could I ask you that you'd write a review on whichever platform you're listening to this on, as it's the ratings and reviews which really help get a podcast promoted. So if you could spare just 30 seconds to write us a review, that would be really, really appreciated. In the meantime, I hope you'll join us on the next episode and I'll see you then. This podcast is brought to you by Hire People, a recruitment agency specializing in the HR and marketing professions. But we're not your typical recruitment agency. When I created Hire People, I very much wanted to rip up the rule book when it came to the model I felt a recruitment business for the modern times should adopt. I've been an internal recruiter as well as a HR manager using the services recruitment agencies. Some good, mostly poor. I've also been a job seeker on the receiving end of poor service from every recruitment agency I applied for a job through. It left me feeling despondent, non-supported and very much like a statistic. So I decided to do a Gandhi and go and be the change that I wanted to see in the world. Hire People was born from that desire to not only run a recruitment agency that has standards, but continuously driving those standards higher. We are highly innovative and introduce the number of features that distinguish us from your typical recruitment agency. We offer a six month, 100% rebate. We've introduced the innovative and groundbreaking Hired360 product, which has brought 3D CVs and 3D job descriptions to the market. And we very much place the emphasis on service, not sales. So if you're interested in working with us, get in touch and let's see how we can help.